I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right. Good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 1039 WYAB. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, we, we obviously have a big story going on in politics right now. I'm not a big proponent of political theater, but this one's fairly interesting. Talking about Matt Gates voting, uh, prompting the vote to vacate the chair and get rid of Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Which it, I've had a day now to kind of absorb exactly the two camps that are, that are growing around this this issue, and it's, I find it pretty interesting because it's not really uh, not always who you think it is, think it should be that's on each side. So anyway, we're going to take a look at that, and I've got a couple of clips from Matt Gates himself and what he said, and, and I'm going to give a little bit of context to things he said as well. So we'll get into that in just a second. I'm happy to be joined by everybody today, everybody at least who's still alive. Yesterday was the national rollout of the emergency notification. Now, I'm, I'm certainly, if you know this show at all and you understand what a libertarian is, the idea that the federal government needs to reach out and, and touch you every now and then at their whim for what we know is an abusive use of the term, air quotes here in the studio, emergency. You know, I'm no fan of exactly what took place yesterday. But come on, I mean, what what were the things that were going around? And what's, what's such a shame, I love alternative media. I really do. I, I guess I kind of consider myself, and probably a lot of WYAB, as alternative media. It's different than what you're going to get in mainstream media. It's different than what you're going to get on WGOP radio stations. So I consider myself in that. But uh, what was going around was that, uh, let's say, I heard everything from this is to use to be a tracker and a tracer of everybody. That this was uh, going to actually, my favorite was that it was going to activate the nanoparticles for those people who had had the vaccine and they were going to drop dead or go into a zombie state. I wasn't sure exactly what the end result of that was. Now, I was in the Kroger. It was especially annoying to me because I do have all emergency alerts taken off of my phone. I've got them turned off. You can do that in your settings if you don't want to be awakened at 3 a.m. when an Amber Alert goes off. Now, God love I'm trying to find a child, but I'm not any good to anybody at 3.15 a.m. in my bed. If you want to put a notice that I can look at when I wake up, that's fine. But anyway, I have all these notices turned off. And, of course, it came through on my phone as well, but I heard it. You know, it wasn't my phone wasn't first. I heard one, and then I heard another one in the store. I had a basket full of uh, 
basket full of groceries. I just stood still for a second because I thought, man, we, we kind of know what Kroger's approach to everything was. We know they're a heavily vaccinated, heavily masked staff there. I thought, well, I'm just going to give this about five minutes and I may be able to walk out with my groceries. And once everybody drops to the ground or becomes a zombie, I'm just taking off with my steaks. But it didn't happen. And I got to tell you, as, as a member of the alternative media, there, there, there are a lot of conspiracies that are being used against us, many that you can point to. I think I've, the funny thing is, when I first came on WYAB, I really thought to myself, I'm, I'm going to be the fringest guy out there. I, I started out my show within the first week of talking about ending the drug war. I talked about September 11th. I talked about the, the corruption at places like the FBI. I'm the anti-war guy and told you about the war profiteering. I'm the guy who called out doctors in the medical system. And, and I started this out and I thought, boy, I don't know if people are going to be able to handle what, <laughs> what I've got. What I've got to say. Turns out... Uh, I'm, I'm one of the last ones to cross this line into some truly bizarre theories out there. First of all, if they're going to track and trace us, uh, they accomplished that about probably 10 to 15 years ago. I'm not sure really with the, with the flip phones and those things, how easy it was for them. I know they could tri triangulate you on a tower and stuff, but we're all walking around with GPS locators in our pockets. And if they wanted to find me, I don't usually, I, I don't spend most of my day uh, on, the, uh, on the beer aisle at Kroger. That's where they would have found me yesterday. So I don't know what, what, uh, what particular advantage it would be to know that I was on the beer aisle yesterday when they were anyway. And the idea that this was going to somehow kill all of the vaccinated people. Look, I love a good conspiracy theory because I know we're constantly lied to, but people in the alternative world have got to, you can't fall for everything. You can't jump on with both feet into everything. Just stop for just a second and go, okay, well, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure about that. There's, it, it's kind of like Joe Biden. There are about a million reasons to really despise Joe Biden. There's very obvious corruption. There's horrible policies. There's a million reasons to criticize Joe Biden. And yet somehow people seem to find ways to make things up, to add things to it. We saw the left do this with Donald Trump. There's plenty, plenty of things about Trump's personality maybe people don't like that are honest. He's a narcissist. He's obnoxious, these kinds of things. But they, they had to just make things up. So anyway, I, I'm glad to see that, uh, that everybody survived anyway. And I'll tell you, it, it won't be the last one. Now, I'm not really sure you know, when this happened, but th this is a consequence of a government and a media that lies to you constantly. Because people want to know what's going on. They want to understand the world, and so they, they reach for things to explain what's happening. You know what I mean? We can't trust the media to tell us what's happening. We certainly can't trust politicians. We can't trust uh, anybody, authorities, none of the associations. And so we're constantly looking for things to try to make sense of the whacked-out world that we're living in right now. But we do have to have, with that, comes some responsibility for some level of discernment. <laughs> and also understand... 
that so many of the things in alternative media are driven by clicks, right? The alternative media is not on NBC. They're not on ABC. They don't get to, uh, to publish widely and print versions. No, the alternative media uh, resides almost wholly online. And the game online is to get as many eyeballs, as many clicks on your stuff, as many impressions, as many, as many interactions as you can get. So the more bizarre, the more shocking, the more breaking something is, the more clicks it gets. So I just encourage people, start to have some level of discernment. If nothing else, I'll wait and see. Now, I don't guess any of us could be 100% sure <laughs> that all the vaccinated people weren't going to drop dead in the aisles of the grocery store yesterday, but I was about 99.999% sure. So I did not join the chorus of warning everybody to turn everything off. Now, maybe something nefarious happened and we haven't been clued into it yet, but I'll tell you what, let's, uh, let's work on sticking with some facts before we jump into the next thing. And, and the, the sad thing is, I know there are people out there right now listening that are mad at me for that. <laughs> they're, they're mad. Look, we, we've, got, we've got a lot of serious things going on right now. We don't really have time to indulge a whole lot of just kind of uh, theories and uh, clickbait terror. A couple of uh, quotes of the day today are audio quotes. I thought this one was interesting. This is the maligned Russell Brand when he last appeared on the Joe Rogan show. Well, last, I don't know. This is from an appearance, but a clip that I ran across that just kind of feeds the theme of the Mike Madison show. And that they'll put people in positions in order to carry that narrative, yeah. but for no other reason, because I don't truly believe that they deeply care about those ideas. And even if they do deeply care, the decisions they're making are decisions that are in alignment with centralized yes. banking authority. It's not going to change the world for any. They've managed to make ordinary American people hate one another, like on the basis of a 50-50 split. You can't criminalize half of a country and say that they're far-right fascists any more than you can say that, in, in my view, extreme leftists. They've got us in these ideological camps and they've got people infighting and ignoring real problems. It's a, such a transparent hustle. It's so obvious to see how it's being set up and how easy it is to get people to fall in line. And that they'll put Yeah. It is so transparent, so easy to see. We've got us fighting with each other uh, while they back up the trucks. As I've said on the show many, many times, it is so transparent, but it is amazing that people will continue to fall for it and continue to actually participate in it. Uh, this is another one. This is a young black girl. She's a libertarian girl. Her name is Donnie, but she's a fighter. I like her. Man, I cannot believe it's already October of 2023. And I'm, I turn, I, it's my birthday this month. But that's besides the point. What we need to discuss is y'all still talking about Democrats versus Republicans. As if there's two separate entities or something. If you guys are actually... <clears throat> doing more than listening to the media or your public figures directing you in their own direction, you would already know that they're on the same team. A lot of people realize they're a party and they're no different, but for some reason, they still argue as if they're separate. Have y'all looked at these bills that both parties are equally on, on board with, pushing special interest groups, agendas on the American people? Have y'all checked the farm bill lately? Oh no, they can't have you paying attention to that because you all can unite on something like that. Y'all keep it up and y'all ain't going to be eating no meat no more. 
Man. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it, it's very interesting to me. Now, this is certainly not a partisan show. I am the turd in the punch bowl of the two-party system. But it's very interesting to me that I'm hearing more and more people. Now, mostly I hear this on the right. Well, I hear this on the right and the left because I, I do. I consume some left-wing media and some liberals and stuff like that. People that I like and respect that are honest. I just disagree with them on some stuff. That's okay. It was very interesting. Everybody's pretty hip to the idea of the uniparty. But they will still call themselves, I'm a Republican. They will say the, the we, the royal we. We need to do this, and we need to do that. Out of the same mouth, they will say, this big uniparty, they're all the same. Vote all the bums out, but we need to win this next election. It's kind of odd when you stop and think about it. Is it a uniparty that has been sold out and is no good for any of us, or is it not? I don't know really how people equivocate the two. Anyway, uh, those things just kind of, as I said, they, uh, they, they fall in line with the Mike Madison show. The two-party infighting getting us absolutely nowhere. So we'll talk about the, the infighting within the one party, the Republican Party, with the Matt Gates story. We'll get to that when we come back. Stick around. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. I do find this an interesting thing, and I, I believe it's historic. Is this the first time they've ever actually successfully passed a motion to vacate the chair, to kick out the Speaker of the House? I, I, I should really, I should have talked to Stephen Utrosky. I'd be interested to get his take on this. You know, he's been involved with the Freedom Caucus in Washington, D.C., as well as here in the state of Mississippi. But I'll tell you, sometimes when I talk to people that are actually in politics, it's like they live in that way. They've accepted so many things. I'm not saying this about Stephen. He's a fighter. He's, he's a small, limited government, free market guy. He, he'll never say that he's any kind of libertarian because he is one of the we. He believes the Republican Party can be saved. This is our great disagreement. While we remain friends, strangely enough, you know, you can disagree on things and actually stay friends and enjoy each other's company. But, uh, I'd be interested to know what his take on this is, but obviously Speaker McCarthy has been sent packing. And I talk a little bit about that. Uh, and then the split in the Republican Party, I don't have clips, but it's been interesting listening to the different talking heads. Look, uh, it really comes out, I don't know if this is a good strategic move or not. To be honest with you, I don't care. Um uh, but, I, you know, I was, I was trying to, kind of thinking through it in my own brain, and then I saw that Mark Levin went into quite the tirade, only got about three or four sentences into his monster tweet that he sent out about this thing, but he, he called uh, Matt Gates a POS, for those of you who know what that means, and so that was pretty much, I, I guess I knew where the, the rest of his diatribe was headed. Really, my first thought was, well, if Mark Levin is this violently opposed to what just took place. It must be great. Now, Mark Levin is one of those who will tell you he's, he's the great one, the Sean Hannity, the Sean Hannity guy, the conservative hero. He's a neocon warmonger statist. 
is what Mark Levin is that has been leading the right in this country, unfortunately, for quite a period of time. But he was against it, so I said, okay, well, it's great. But bottom line is I don't really like anything that embarrasses somebody like a Kevin McCarthy. And I'll explain that in a little bit more detail in just a second. Why? Was this a great strategic move? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know what comes next. I don't know. Uh, I guess right now the rumors are, or maybe they're not even rumors, maybe they're official, that Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise are going to be running for this position. Do I expect monster changes to the way the U.S. government operates? Do I expect to become a freer human being if Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise takes the speakership? Absolutely not. I believe both of those guys are a little bit of nibbling around the edges. Jim Jordan seems like a nice guy, probably interesting guy to go have a beer with. He is the hearings guy. He's had a ton of hearings. How many sound bites have we gotten out of Jim Jordan over the past five, six, seven years? Oh, a lot. Well, he asked some questions. He, he gets a lot of clicks on social media. Has anything changed? Well, now he'll have the power, so maybe so. I, I, I don't know. I, I hold no hope that anything is actually going to change. But as I say, anything that embarrasses, uh, embarrasses Kevin McCarthy is okay with me. I'm the guy who would like to see them in the stocks outside of Congress or walking around covered in tar and feathers. So anything that is embarrassing to somebody is okay with me. This was an interview with Matt Gates on the steps of the Congress where he was asked about this, and I think he makes an absolutely fantastic point that I'll flesh out a little bit when he gets done here. Are you worried about throwing this institution into chaos, paralyzing an institution that your party runs? Well, you know what I think paralyzes us? Continuing to govern by continuing resolution and omnibus. You know what I think throws this institution into chaos? Marching us toward the dollar not being the global reserve currency anymore. You talk, you talk about chaos as if it's me forcing a few votes and filing a few motions. Real chaos is when the American people have to go through the austerity that is coming if we continue to have $2 trillion annual deficits. You don't know chaos until you've seen where this Congress and this uniparty is bringing us. Chaos is not forcing well, votes. Are you yeah, he's exactly right. That, that I could really appreciate that. And actually have some some numbers of what's going on. Now, yesterday's show was all about uh, debt and spending and the fact that my spidey senses are going off, that something is not... We have got probably four or five worldwide major, major financial systems that are on the cusp of collapse. And I talked yesterday about the bond market. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it today because I think I need to explain exactly what's going on a little bit better. People don't understand the bond market, don't understand. When I tell you that our banks have got, now I've seen the figure is over $600 billion in losses sitting on their balance sheets. This is our banking system here. A lot of us kind of, uh, I don't know, depend on the banking system here, don't we? But one of the things that Kevin McCarthy did, one of the first things he did, really, in his short tenure, I love saying that, I got to tell you, whew, that just put a smile on my face. In his short tenure, his, his negotiation over the debt ceiling, if we don't remember, was to just abolish it altogether. And the numbers that have been coming out of Washington, D.C. just in the past few weeks have been absolutely unbelievable. Uh, we are currently 
on pace to do uh, $1 trillion of new debt in a month. In the past few days, the national debt has jumped by over $276 billion. Now, I understand sometimes these things come through in big tranches of, of spending, so it's not, a, it's not a linear line up. But Kevin McCarthy's solution to the debt ceiling so that he could keep the government, air quotes here in the studio, functioning was to just get rid of the debt limit for two, two years. What did he say? Well, we're just going to, we'll just say there's no debt ceiling right now, and then in two years, we're really going to get serious about the spending. Boy, in two years, we've projected that we're going to cut spending by X, Y, and Z. And now we are on pace to a trillion dollars within one month of new debt. And I think, I think if nothing else with this Matt Gates thing, maybe this, the spending is starting to take center stage because it is so much more of a threat to you, to your family, to your children, to your way of life than Russia, China, Iran, even, dare I say it, trans people. Now, I'm not saying go out, go out there and fight to keep your schools from teaching perversion. But what I am saying is in the grand scheme of things, if you want to jump ahead, you want to get into a time machine and take a look at your life and the life of your children 10 years from now, you better focus up on the spending. You're going to find on the path that we are on, and it's, it's I don't want to say it's too late, you know, there's so many things, uh, it doesn't matter if it's exercise or taking control of your health. The, the best time I could have really gotten into the gym on a good consistent basis was when I was 25. But it really took me till about 42. But 42 was okay. Things had gone a little haywire, was a little out of shape, a little overweight. But 42, I mean, at least I did it that day. So I don't like to use the term, it's too late. There's still things we could do. What did I tell you yesterday? Kevin McCarthy's plan on spending was he was going to set up anything, uh, anyone, anyone, a commission. He was going to set up a, a commission to study the spending. It is, by far and away, one of the greatest threats to us as a country, and to your way of life. And I'll tell you, how many years now have Republicans talked about being fiscally conservative, wanting to have an adult conversation about spending? They say this over and over and over again, and this is probably the first kind of major thing that's happened that has actually got people maybe focused on this. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Something will pop up tomorrow or next week and divert everybody's attention away from it. we got a campaign going on. You had a campaign of a bunch of politicians, none of them serious about the spending issues. Donald Trump's already got a track record on spending. It's not good. And he's the leading candidate for the Republican Party, so I'm not of any illusion that maybe people are going to get out ahead of this and try to stop it before it becomes a catastrophe. But at least Matt Gates is pointing this out. You want to know what chaos is. Chaos is spending trillions and trillions of dollars. You know, it's trillions and trillions of dollars that we don't have on things we don't need. That is the true chaos. And he's also right about the austerity. If you get in this time machine as, as it stands right now and go out 10 years with no structural real changes, you're not going to like what you see. I'm not good on timing. I say it all the time. I don't know if the bond market actually 
really becomes unhinged tomorrow, next week, in two years, five years, ten years. My timing is terrible. But I'm pretty good on a 10-year time horizon if something doesn't change. All right, I'm going to take a break. We're going to take a look at some of these numbers. I'm going to explain, uh, I'm going to explain this bond issue to you because I, I spoke to a friend. And he asked me, he said, well, what do you mean? Why, why are people, why do bonds lose money when interest rates go up? Well, I'm going to explain it real quick. I think I've got a simple explanation for it. He got it pretty quick. But it's important that you understand that and understand what these rising rates and they're rising because people like Speaker McCarthy are spending too much money. I'll, t- I'll explain to you exactly what they do to the finances of banks, insurance companies, pension plans, and our own federal government when we come back. We are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. You know, one of the things that Kevin McCarthy said that really gave me kind of a chuckle, uh, he said, and I don't have the quote in front of me, but essentially what he said was, you know, well, I guess what we're finding out is that just 4% of the Republican caucus can hold up the whole thing, can dictate everything that goes on uh, in the House of Representatives. He's he's really incensed that this small group of people (laughs) that were not elected to the speakership can have such an outsized influence on the lives of of, uh, the people who want to serve in the leadership. Just 4% of Republicans. Uh, I actually did the math because I've asked the question on the show many, many times. How is it? that 537 quite obviously corrupt and not very impressive guys and gals in Washington, D.C. dictate the lives of 330 million people. That's a pretty small number. You want to know what the percentage of Congress critters, president, vice president are that control our lives? It was 0.0001. One six percent of the population of the United States controls our entire lives. So I understand Kevin McCarthy's frustration with a small group of people being able to dictate your fate. Yes, this has been my problem that I've talked about for quite a period of time now. I wanted to play this before I explain to you exactly what's taking place in the bond market. And again, I understand this is, as uh, I think it's Jameson that always says something, you know, is radio gold. This is not necessarily radio gold. (laughs) This is not what people tune in for, but it's that important. And in light of where we are on the calendar, I feel compelled to do a little education on the show today. And here's why. Hi, I'm Jay Powell. I'm the chair of the Federal Reserve. And I want you to know that the Federal Reserve is now on Instagram and threads. The Fed is America's central bank working to promote a healthy economy and a strong financial system. (laughs) The Federal Reserve. What did he say? They're they're here for a healthy economy and a, uh, I don't even know what he said. I I, kind of passed out a little bit when he said that. This is what the Fed believes that they do. 
The Fed is there to blow up bubbles and transfer wealth from the middle class to the uber wealthy in this country. That's what they're actually here for. But anyway, I'll let him go on. That mission starts with you. Me? October is National Economic Education Month. And throughout the month and beyond, we'll be posting here with information, links to events, and other resources about how Fed decisions affect you, your family, and your community. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry, Jerome. Well, he likes to go by Jay. He's he's hip and young on the Instagram and the tweeters and the uh, actually he didn't say he's going to be on Twitter. They're going to be on Instagram and what was it? Oh, threads. <laughs> Maybe they can they can go out and tell the truth on threads. Isn't that the Facebook Twitter alternative? He could tell the truth. I mean, he could come out and pretty much say, oh, boy, the Fed is a long running scam. The American people that was set up by the uber wealthy to fleece you of your wealth. He could come out and say that directly on threads because nobody's ever going to see it. <laughs> but anyway, apparently it is Economic Awareness Month, uh, Education and Awareness Month. So I feel compelled to do my part at the behest of the Federal Reserve and do a little bit of economic education. So uh, I, I mentioned that the banks, this is what really started to kind of freak me out. I'll be honest with you, this past weekend, look, I, I know we need to go through some pain. We've had the, oh, we've had some good days, haven't we? You know, for all of the boomers and my generation, the Gen X out there who thinks you really, you really crushed it, now, I'm not saying in it, you didn't work hard, didn't make good decisions in your life, didn't save money, didn't do the right things. I'm, I'm not mad at anybody, but essentially boomers and Gen Xers, we were raised in the time where uh, if, if you have a family, we, we were raised during the time where we just got a bunch of new credit cards. You know how that feels, right? Oh, yeah. You, all of a sudden, you've got access to all this new cash. You just buy stuff. Your life looks great. Uh, the kids that we have now, they're going to be raised in the, oh, we, we got billed for all that spending we did. It's easier, isn't it? It's easier and happier and lighter when you're in the stage of racking up the debt. Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's gravy days then. N now is when the bill comes due. Now we're struggling to make just the minimum payments on our credit cards. That's the world we live in now. So I just say that in context so that the boomers in my generation, Gen X, understand, yeah, we, we tried. We, we worked hard. We made good decisions. We went to school. We got some knowledge. We became important to employers. I'm not denigrating anybody's effort, but understand the wheels were pretty greased for us economically. The opportunities were out there. The the credit was out there, and now, now that is seizing up, and we've left our kids with it. This was, this was seeable. It was predictable. Libertarians have been pointing this out for decades. The great Ron Paul was pointing this out endlessly about inflation. He was ignored, sidelined by anyone, anyone, the GOP. But anyway, the the the. the the racking up the debt, the fun part, I remember those days in college. <laughs> I was one of those college students who got credit cards, and I enjoyed going out and having a good time. When you got that fresh new credit card, when you were at the bar, that was a lot of fun. Road trips were a blast. I was big for buying everybody drinks. Was it because I worked hard or because I was... 
I was just so generous. No, I just had this piece of plastic that entitled me to, for the admiration of everyone around me as I, as I bought them food and drinks. And then the bill came due. I remember that day, too. I remember those days when I thought, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize I had racked up this much, and now I'm struggling to pay these bills. Uh, that's where our kids are going to be raised. So, so here's the issue with the bond market. I'm going to do my piece for economic education here. I'm going I'm to make this quick. Don't worry. Imagine that, uh, you know, a bond is just an IOU, right? When the government issues a treasury, they're borrowing money from whoever. So let's just say you, I need to borrow $1,000 from you. I'm willing to pay you 2%. Now, I know most of you say, Mike, you, don't, you seem a little unhinged. 2% is not enough. But just for the sake of this argument, let's pretend I'm the federal government. And so I need to borrow $1,000. I'm going to give you 2% a year or $20 a year. So you say, okay, you loan me $1,000. I'm going to pay you back in 10 years. Every year between then and now, I'm going to pay you $20. Well, that's, that's all fine. As long as nothing happens, you know, you, you know what you signed up for. I know what I signed up for. I'll make the $20 payment every year. And then in 10 years, I'll give you your $1,000 back. Here's where the problem lies. Uh, if I need to keep borrowing money at some point and people go, you know, Mike, you seem like you're racking up a lot of debt. You seem a little more risky than you were before. Uh, I'm going to need you when I when I go out and say, hey, I've, I need to borrow another thousand dollars. And I'll say, I'll tell you what, now I'm starting to pay four percent. Well, if you have that first IOU where I'm paying you two percent. That's fine. You know what you're getting. You're missing out on a little something because, or you could buy one now. You know what I mean? But it's okay. Unless you run into some hard times yourself and you need to sell that IOU. You understand? You can sell a bond before it matures. At any point during its life, you can sell it. Now, you can imagine if you've got an IOU with a 2% return on it, a 2% yield, and you go out and try to sell it, people are going to go, why would I buy this from you? Mike's paying 4%. Now, why would I buy one from 2% for you? Well, you need the money. You say, well, I'll tell you what, then I'll discount it to make it seem like it's 4%. Now, I did the math on this particular scenario. If it was two years into the loan and you needed to get rid of it, you'd have to sell it to me. Uh, you have to sell it to somebody for $800. So that $1,000 that you loaned me that you were going to get back now you're only getting $800 from the person buying the bond. It's actually like $802.14. That because they're going to get back $1,000 now because they hold the IOU, plus they're going to get the interest along the way, and it actually equals to the same as if they were buying the 4% the four new debt that I'm issuing. So you can understand what happens with the banks is the banks have got all these bonds out there at 2%. But now interest rates are 5%. Now, it doesn't really matter if they hold them to maturity. That's fine. I mean, they're, they're missing out. on They're not making as much money as they could. The problem is if people start withdrawing money from the banks or they run into any real headwinds, those bonds sit on their balance sheet to be sold so they can raise money to carry on business or to pay depositors. So if they have to start selling these bonds that they've got, these old 2% bonds, 1% bonds that they've got, they're going to take huge haircuts on them, right? 
They can't go out there and sell them for what they bought them for. They're going to have to discount them heavily, and that is why they have over $600 billion in losses sitting on their balance sheet right now. This is very, very concerning. And I believe it may be unprecedented, at least in the last 40 years, because as I've explained in shows before, this is a 40-year phenomenon of interest rates constantly going down, which means, you know, the opposite is true. If you've got a bond, if you've got a bond that's paying 4% and then rates go down to 2%, well, your bond is actually now more valuable, right? Because it's paying out 4% and new bonds are only paying 2%. So for 40 years, bonds have been a safe bet. They've actually appreciated because interest rates just kept coming down, 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 down. You understand at the beginning of the 1980s, interest rates were running around 20%. In 2021... Interest rates were, anyone, anyone, zero. So it's been 40-year slide from 20% down to zero, where they were for many, many years after the financial crisis. So it was easy to own bonds. Banks didn't have this problem. Now they've got this big problem. And, and the, the reason for all of this is government spending. Don't let people tell you it's just Joe Biden. Don't let people tell you it's it's greedy corporations. The left cracks me up. They say it was, the inflation is these greedy corporations. Well, did they just start getting greedy? Why, why weren't they greedy in 2020? Why weren't they greedy in 2018, 2017, 2016? The left believes that corporations just went, ah, we're feeling greedy today, so we're going to start charging more for our stuff. Of course, as I explained, the left thinks that Money comes out of uh, unicorn butts. But anyway, just understand it is government spending, and that's the crux of the speakership issue that's going on right now. And if Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise are not serious about spending, nothing will change. We're on a disastrous course. A trillion dollars a month is the current pace. I don't think that's going to keep up, but it's where we are right now. It's unsustainable. Got to take a break. I'll be right back. Woke up in my closet and this morning All right, I've only got a couple of minutes left. I don't really have time to get into too much more. But, but this is the issue. This is the time to draw a line in the sand. All of your Politico people, you know, people who think they're in on the team, on the Republican Party, some of the WGOP radio stations that are calling Matt Gates this, this heretic. He's upset the apple cart. Look, this apple cart has upset itself. It, it, Matt Gates is right. It's been chaos for a long time in Washington, D.C. He talks about the fact they haven't had a budget. I can't remember what the last year was that they actually had a budget. They've been bundling these bills, passing these bills that are thousands of pages long. They have 48 hours to read them. All they do is just flip to their area where they get their payoffs, right, for their district, their little pet projects. They just flip to that page, make sure it's in there, and then vote yes on it. They've been doing this for decades now. And so when your statist friends, when your Republican strategy friends talk about stuff, just ask them, look, the Republican Party as a, an institution, they've had decades to try to fix this, right? This wasn't something that's, that's even brand new. But playtime is over. 
there can be the the one thing that I've said so many times is well number one the number one rule of the Mike Madison show is don't ever fall in love with a politician this is the rule that is violated constantly by just about everybody on all sides of the aisle it's not a very popular rule but it sure is a good advice and the other is to put them on a short leash I mean Mississippi's the worst we look back at a Congress critter or a senator who was served for 24 to 40 years, and then we really dissect their record and go, you know, they didn't do a great job. We kept sending them back thinking that things were going to change. They need to be on an incredibly short leash. Two years in the House. You deliver or we, we swap you out. Everybody waiting on term limits. Good luck with that. You need to be picking your people. But the short leash is the answer. Because if spending is what upsets the apple cart and gets McCarthy kicked out, then you can be sure that probably Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise, should they get it, maybe they'll pay a little bit more attention to that because they don't want to be embarrassed and be removed after eight months either. A short leash is what is needed at this point. Really, no leash. Look, I don't think the Republican Party is savable. They have too many people they have to pay off. They've made too many deals. They're in bed with too many special interest groups. You can't root out that kind of corruption. I don't care if it's a new speaker or not. It's already in, it's baked in the cake. You can't take that kind of stuff out of a cake. Have you ever tried to take an ingredient out of a cake? <laughs> it's, it's impossible. You need a new cake, new parties, a new system. One may be coming sooner rather than later. I just hope it's, it's not the totalitarian system there have us careening towards. Anyway, that's all the time I've got. Have a great one. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.